everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hustle Podcast. Yes. Thank you so much. We do have a request though, before we get started, if you have found our content to be entertaining or helpful, would you consider leaving us a review on iTunes? Those five-star reviews really help to make sure that our content gets out there and that our show continues to grow. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Pierosa Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando, and we're on episode 354, an update episode. Yeah, and we love our update episodes. Our update episodes are where we have an opportunity to kind of talk about the things that are going on in our life, reselling-wise, what's going on in the reselling community at large, kind of updates with things like eBay, Amazon, shipping, that type of stuff. We also give some amazing bolos. So bolos are things you should be on the lookout for when you're out thrifting, going to garage sales, doing any kind of sourcing, local deals, uh, so that you can make the most money in your uh, in your reselling adventures. So what's been going on with you, or do you want me to get started? <laughs> Yeah, no, that's good. Um, so a few things. I mean, I've, uh, I think I've, for the most part, got most of my inventory kind of figured out. Um, it's still, it's still a bit of a mess uh, because originally I had things like really well organized, but a lot of stuff was on shelves. Uh, so taking stuff from shelves into boxes and totes and kind of just finding space and combining totes uh, made it a little bit of mess as far as trying to get my like custom SKUs refigured out. Um, but I think I've kind of figured out, I don't, this isn't my optimal system. Like typically I try and say like, okay, uh, shoes go in one section, one toe or one area of my storage, and then other things go in other areas. And I think I've got a system and let me know in the comments below if this sounds crazy. Uh, but because I had some death piles and typically death piles, sometimes you have them in totes. Sometimes you have them literally in a pile in a room somewhere, uh, Orlando, I'm, I'm talking to you. Uh, I hear but, you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know you have death piles. So my thought is, it's when gotten I better. Was, but go ahead. When I when I took uh, a lot of my inventory, especially the stuff that wasn't listed, uh, and it was kind of like, okay, this tote is unlisted. This tote is unlisted. My thought was, okay, do I really want to spend the time listing all the stuff? It fits in this tote, and then finding new totes for it to go, so that I have like almost two organization systems. Cause if you have custom SKUs, if you think about it, it doesn't really matter if you know, like, Oh, my CDs are in this location and my random. Cause when you have like uh, hard goods, a lot of it's just random stuff. Like you kind of try and uh, categorize it. But when it's like, this is some kitchen stuff, but then there's also some random, like, you know, electronics, but then this one, like there's a lot of miscellaneous things. So my thought is, what if I just took a toe of unlisted things and I just listed that toe and then like that became its bin. Like I use the custom SKU number, it just goes in that bin and then it goes up. And then I just keep kind of that process going instead of trying to refine homes for everything. Now, the nice thing is if you have things a little bit more organized than that, then if custom SKU goes wrong, it's a little bit easier to say like, oh, I think most of like my kitchen gadget stuff is in this section as opposed to like you've got five miscellaneous totes, which each have some random kitchen gadgets in it. Uh, so I don't know. I'm going to give that a try. Uh, I think it's going to make it a little bit easier for me as I'm re-going through and redoing my custom SKUs. That way I could start working on death piles without having to redo all my inventory at one time, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I have the similar system going. Like all my train stuff is in the same space. And so in case there's an issue where the custom SKU doesn't show up <laughs> or I forgot to insert it, I know that it's there. Or even with my buckles or even with... 
you know, whatever it may be, like jackets. I know my jackets are on, on three certain uh, coat rack systems. And so if they're not there, then I either sold them. And luckily now with eBay, you can go back on Terapeak and you can look back two years and, and sometimes you sell stuff. And that's why when you relisted it on accident or if eBay did it, there was no custom SKU label. So no, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of going the opposite way though, because I'm going where I'm, I'm taking the chance that my custom SKU is going to work because I'm saying like, I'm going to have probably four or five, like literally just they're all miscellaneous totes. They were like death pile totes that I didn't, I didn't resort out because I've still have from when I had to combine all my inventory into random totes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I don't really have the normal, like, Hey, all my kitchen gadgets are in one section. I'm going to have them like spread out. And I'm kind of just relying on the fact that the custom SKU system is going to work. Um, and then as I kind of get things going, so I don't know, it, it's a bit of a gamble, but I think, I think it'll get me rolling a little bit faster than trying to completely organize all of my inventory so that I have space and know where everything goes. And I can kind of just start getting death piles listed. So I don't yeah, know. It's I, not my normal, but I'm going to give it a shot. I think it goes both ways. I mean, on the benefit, the benefit side of it is you don't have a large, large store. And so you can kind of get away with that. Yeah. Right. There's only so much space. Like, for example, if I lose something, I have four locations that I need to search through to find that, right? And yeah. then within those locations, there's totes and there's boxes and there's all kinds of craziness, right? Yours is all in one space. So if worst came to worst and you had to turn everything over as like you're, you know, serving a warrant on someone, you could find it. I So I, I think it's doable. I But I, I'm always a believer, like if if you just get all the you know, eat the frog, get all the garbage yeah. that you want done right away. You'll be a lot happier in the long run um, before things really get out of hand. So I don't know. <laughs> it'll, it'll be yeah. interesting. Yeah. Just make so sure we'll you, you update us when, you know, if things do fall apart, not just the yeah. good side. Yeah. I'm hoping they don't, but you know, it, it, it we'll see. I think it's, it's making it easy. Cause like right now I, I, my system is like two totes. Like I have a, a, a work table out in my garage, one tote of completely unlisted stuff. And then I have an empty tote. And then as I'm listing the stuff, I know it all fits in one tote because I pretty much had to cram everything in to, to, to totes to get it on the, the move when I moved out here. So basically, it's like, OK, everything fits in this tote. So I'm just going to transport it over into the new tote once it's listed. And then that way, it's kind of easy to go. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, I started doing a little bit of sourcing, which is nice. I haven't... Uh, I haven't like seriously sourced in a while because I've been trying to kind of pare down my inventory before my move. Yeah. Uh, but I've uh, I've been trying to hit up the different thrift stores here. Um, I've I've obviously gone to the the the, the big chain stores, so I've I've kind of looked into the the Goodwills and the Salvation Armies, and uh, for the most part, it's kind of what you expect. It's it's a lot of the same of what we're used to. Some of the pricing is different. Every store has its weaknesses. So it's going to take me a little bit of time to figure out like, okay, this Salvation Army, they they don't know how to value pants or they don't know how to value electronics or whatever it is. That way I can uh, really get that unfair advantage and, and, and you know, get, get profitable items at these stores. Uh, but what I really wanted to do is I wanted to find the hole in the wall mom and pop shop non-chain thrift stores and kind of explore them. That way I have a better understanding of what's here, what's in this this new city of mine, like I need to, to know these stores, what's available. And so I spent the last couple of days going to these stores, kind of checking them out. And it's been interesting. It's been interesting seeing, um, one, you know, a lot of different stuff. Like you talked about, I think it was a bolo maybe a couple of weeks ago, uh, where you talked about the idea of home, hometown items, like doing well, like teams, home teams. Okay. So 
you talked about like the Padres and the San Diego Chargers when they were there and the goals and, you know, like specific teams for an area. And, you know, I'm in the city that I'm in, I've got a university Baylor. So just kind of trying to figure out too, like, okay, there's tons of Baylor stuff. Now I need to kind of figure out which of these things is there a market for? What's the vintage? How do I find out what people are after? When are those seasons going to be? Cause again, kind of the cool thing with universities is, um, people, students will travel to, to across the country to go to a university. They go to that university and then a lot of times they go back home, they go wherever they're from. And so if their family, their friends, and and they want to start buying stuff, you know, they can go online and they can buy the official stuff. But again, there's just something about the vintage stuff or yeah, I went to this school, you know, 20 years ago and they had these really cool hats or these really, and so people are going to turn to eBay. And so just kind of learning what the, uh, the local things on top of the brands, right? Like when I was in, San Diego, the jeans, the brands, the different brands we get, like they were, you know, you'd occasionally find like the seven for mankind and um, you'd find maybe some true religion and lucky. And those are kind of the brands where it's like here, you know, obviously Levi and Wranglers are, are a little bit bigger, but then also uh, what's, I'm going to sound like a total loser for not knowing how to, is it Ariat? The, what's the, what's the brand that starts? Yeah, the, no, that's a Western wear. Those are yeah, that's so, Western wear. Yeah. So like kind of just learning like, okay, these new, these brands that are not new, but they're new to me, right? Like I didn't really find tons of those in, in San Diego. I mean, you find some things, but okay. Like what I, we'd find boots, we'd find things like that in San Diego, but like, I'm going to find more of those things out here in mm-hmm. Texas. So, um, learning the local stores, learning the local things, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, I've noticed a lot of the hole in wall stores here, um, they have some pretty cool like discount days or like discount things. Like one of them that I went to, um, one of the stores didn't have prices on anything. And so it literally was, you go up to the front to the guy who's the owner of the store. And it was like, how much for this? And you kind of negotiated with them a little bit. And so it's it's kind of a weird thing thinking like, all right, like I'm probably going to be in the store a lot. And so I want to make sure that one, I, you want to negotiate, but you also don't want to be the chump right away where this person's like, I don't want to ever make a deal with you ever again. So you kind of got to give a little, take a little. So it's, it's just, it's different. It's different than what I'm used to. I'm, I'm, I'm used to negotiating at garage sales where you see the person one time, maybe you make a connection. I'm not used to negotiating at a thrift store where this might be a, a potential consistent place that I'm returning to. And I got to negotiate every time, every item, like, it's just a little different. So it's exciting. It's interesting. Um, it's pushing me uh, out of my comfort zone a little bit, which I think is important. It's important as a reseller to constantly be uh, growing and changing. Yeah, it, You know, I've been thinking about, about you and the move because I ever thought, you know, let's say for whatever reason I had to move. And I would say it would be devastating. Like I, I can't even begin to explain how devastating it would be to move to a new location. Now, granted, that's maybe because I have a lot more items, but you know, I I'm glad that you're you're continuing. I mean, we're all glad, right? Because this is the point of the podcast. But at the same time, like these kind of major moves can be pretty hectic. They can be pretty stressful, and so on. And so, I congratulate you for moving and getting your stuff, and then also figuring out how to source because that's the other thing. You know, I get questioned all the time. I have a friend who lives in Indiana, and he says, "Hey, why don't you move out to Indiana?" And I said, I would love to. But one of my biggest fears is, am I going to be able to source the same? Right? Because here I have connections all over the place. I can go 24 hours a day sourcing within San Diego 
and never have a problem. My only problem is I don't have enough money to go sourcing 24 hours a day. And so, you know, could I do the same? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, cost of living is cheaper, right? But is is my opportunity to get items that will sell for good profit and fast enough going to be enough to live in somewhere else? And it seems like you kind of found like a sweet spot and, and based on the comments from people on our YouTube videos or in the discord or in, in the IG DMS, it seems like, you know, you're in a good place in, over there in Texas. So <laughs> looking forward to, you know, I, I know see. eventually you're going to start having those major scores and, and so on. So I, I know that takes time too. So, yeah. yeah. All right. So on my end, um, I've been focusing on listing inventory I had over the last six months that I just hadn't sourced. I mean, hadn't listed so I had a ton of stuff and it's you'd be impressed how organized things are right now. Like you you can walk everywhere, like there's hallways that are available to you again. Like it it's really good. And what it's done is it's motivated me to list more. And so I, this is my encouragement to everyone out there who has these massive death piles, or you even have I hate saying this sounds terrible, death rooms, where it's just a ton of stuff. I will say if you organize your place and you just take chunks at a time, it's going to be a lot easier to list. And what I'm finding is stuff that I've picked up, which I didn't think was that valuable, ends up being valuable. And so, for example, I had I paid like three bucks for an RC uh, a chassis with tires and a body. And I thought it was like a cheap brand or something. Next thing I know, it's like a vintage piece that's worth like 300 bucks. And so it's been kind of nice to... Number one, I'm not a fan of donating stuff until I go through it, but I have donated a lot of items. I remember that big eBay buyout that we had that store. I donated probably like 50% of the items. I did go through most of it to make sure, uh, but it, it motivated me to make room for other items. And so I, I've been able to keep moving forward. And a lot of that stuff has sold pretty well. Now, I will give a quick update on my appraisal of my rugs, which is it's a non-update, but it's an update. And uh, so a lot of people gave great suggestions. Thank you to everyone for all your suggestions. Some people had said, go to the original people that clean the carpets or the rugs. Uh, some people had suggested uh, this individual named Dr. Lori, who I've seen before. Um, I'm, I'm kind of like leery about Dr. Lori. No, no hate coming my way, please. But she's like talked about beanie babies and defects and stuff like that. And I'm like, ooh, like there's a difference between an appraiser and a reseller. Now, they could be one and the same, but somebody who's appraising may not know what the market is really calling for, right? But at the same time, a reseller may not know how much something is really worth, and they know what it's worth in the market that they work in, but they don't know about the other tiers. And so I was like, ah, maybe I'll go with Dr. Laurie. I think it's like two, it was like $200 for like a half hour or an hour of them appraising. And then what I found, and I found this to the glories of of social media like TikTok, uh, that Sotheby's does free appraisals for items. And so the way the way it works is Sotheby's is like top tier, like top echelon as far as goods go. And I don't think the items I have are, but I wanna I, I'm either hoping to get rejected or hoping to get accepted, which is it's a win-win either way. So what they do is they have a free appraisal system. So what happens is they will appraise an item 
And if they think it's good enough to go into Sotheby's auction, they'll obviously contact you. They'll, you know, help you ship it out. They'll get somebody else to look at what repairs need to be done. They'll help you find people to repair the item. And then they'll put it at auction and they'll make sure that people that are in the auction are good enough uh, that they'll knock the auction up. So I, I saw something. I feel terrible. I don't remember who the username was anything, but somebody had found some chair like on Facebook Marketplace for like $50. And it was like this vintage chair and they got a hold of Sotheby's. Sotheby's contacted them after said, yeah, we're going to do, do it in the auction. And they actually found somebody that was an expert in fixing the chair. And they told them the hammer price, which is when the auction is over, is going to be probably around 40K and end up going to like 107K for that chair. And now, granted, they lost like, you know, 20 percent in taxes and, you know, another whatever Sotheby's got their other 20k or whatever but they got top dollar right because the right people were in the room to make that auction that that's and if you want to take it to you know on the on the lower tier that's what whatnot is about too right whatnot is successful if you have the right people in the room that want certain items right and so if you try to do a whatnot auction and it doesn't even matter how many followers you are I would say have Except for the fact that if you have more followers, chances are greater that you're going to have the right people in the room to bid up a price. And so I decided to go to Sotheby's just because, you know, if they say, yeah, it's it's worth it for you to sell at our auction, then I know I have something really good and they'll actually give you the price. Uh, and granted, you know, are they going to maybe not give you the top tier price? I don't know. But if it's going to go to auction, I would figure they're going to want the most money so they can make money and I can make money. Now, if they reject me and they say, no, your items aren't, you know, good enough for Sotheby's, then that's fine. Then I know that I, I can I'm probably better off, you know, selling this on eBay or, or some other uh, some other site uh, that deals with, you know, luxury, antique, vintage goods. So we'll see what happens. It is a long process. I mean, I, I just you know, I just sent the information, so I don't know how long that's going to be. Then after that, then it's whenever the auction's going to be. And then after that, it's 45 days after that you get paid. So mm -hmm. this can be a long thing. Now, the great thing about it, if you heard our last episode, our, uh, our themed episode, is that I already made my money back and I've already profited on everything that I bought. So now we're just looking at, you know, how, how much can I make? And, and it's funny because one of my good friends who's in business you know, we were talking about this and I said, you know, I just want to, I just want to list something on auction and just see where it goes on eBay. He's like, no, why would you do that? Have you not learned from the railroad lantern story that maybe everything is, is valuable and maybe everything you have is not valuable. So, so stay tuned for that. Um, I haven't posted yet anything on social media or anything because I, I don't want to just leave this cliffhanger and come back to it two months later. I want it all, you know, just at one time to share. So we'll see how that goes. And then, uh, yeah, sourcing garage has been kind of brutal. Not much out here right now. It's middle of July, though, and it's super hot. I mean, not as hot as it is for you. By the way, I don't have my AC on in solidarity with Mike, just so he feels better if yeah. that even helps. Yeah. It, it, uh, look, man, I'd be happy if at least one of us was not, uh, you know, burning up right now. And it's actually, it's nice because I can afford to run the air conditioner here in Texas. Like the electricity is not a control like it is there, but uh, I'm, I'm in my garage where I don't have the air conditioning. So uh, it's fine. It's fine. We'll, we'll get through this. It's the things we do when we're hustlers. Uh, we, uh, we, we make it work, but yeah, it's been hot here too. I mean, 
there's a, there's been a few garage sales. Um, I was going to go to some this last weekend. I actually had some family visiting, you know, people coming to check out the new house, the new town, uh, kind of support us and all of that. Uh, so I haven't done the garage sales. I've been doing more of, like I said, thrift stores, things like that, a little bit of local deals, just kind of getting to know the area. Uh, there were some garage sales the last couple of weekends and, you know, Friday garage sales seem to be even bigger here than they were, uh, in California. Uh, even Thursday, some Thursday sales. The problem though, again, is it, I think they're starting to dwindle out because it, the heat is just out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's one of those things where finding how to find the garage sales. Like I, I, I learned here that finding garage sales on Craigslist and maybe it's something that we, we were doing wrong, even in San Diego, because I awesome. would say for us, 90% of the garage sales we would find, at least for me, we were finding on Craigslist, right? Because that's, yep. that's the easiest. The nice thing, too, is you get the map feature. I know you kind of found it recently, but, you know, the map <laughs> feature map feature has been like kind of my go to just to determine even if I was just random, like I was driving like, oh, there's a garage sale. Let me stop here. And then I'd pull up the 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 map on on Craigslist and see, is there any others in this area? Or maybe I got skunked out in an estate sale I was planning on spending most of the morning at. The map was very helpful with that. Now, Facebook Marketplace seems to be where most of the garage sales here are being posted. Uh, and the features just aren't as good. I mean, you don't have the map. You can put in, you can put in like, hey, uh, 20 miles from this town or 15 miles. So you can set your radius. You can set when it was posted type of a thing. But not having that map is brutal because, you know, you're, you're pulling up the... You're pulling up the listing for the the garage sale. You're like, oh, okay, this one looks good. And then you're like, oh, that's way over here. And so you planning out the route takes a little bit longer. It's one of those things where you kind of have to, um, you know, put in all the addresses on a separate document of where you're hoping to go and then throw that into one of those route finders and kind of plan your route out that way, uh, which again can be tricky when you're dealing with things like some of these garage sales start at 7 a.m. and some of these garage sales start at 9 a.m. And this one's at a, because then you're kind of, dealing with that too. So it gets a little funky. Um, I, I really wish that, um, and maybe somebody knows if you're a listener, you're watching this right now, let us know in the comments below. Is there a way to make it easier on Facebook marketplace, um, to, to find where to plan out a route? Cause I feel like it's really tough not being able to say like, I just want to see all the ones in this location. Now let me go over a little bit further and not having that is, is, is a little challenging. Yeah, I get that. And that's why I go with the whole, I go to the ones I want to go to first, regardless of what time. I mean, I'll go to ones that start like at nine at six in the morning if they have items I want. And sometimes I waste my time because they're not even open at all. And sometimes I end up scoring and everything's all good to go. So that's good. Now, uh, before we move on, uh, talking about organization earlier with custom SKUs and items and all that, my reseller genie is an awesome tool that I use all the time. Uh, and I, I, you know, the nice thing about it and the bad thing about it is, is that it, it, it runs on autopilot, right? So I haven't really touched my reseller genie recently just cause I've been so busy with stuff, but I know if I ever want to go back and I want to know how much I've actually made in a certain month, I can go in and put how much each of my items cost, and it'll give me a profit loss, uh, detail. It also, you know, with taxes, it's very simple. It just imports everything from eBay and you're able to do your taxes, which this is something I'm going to be starting here soon. Uh, cause mine are due in October, uh, not cause of extension. We had flat 
flooding or whatever, and they extended hours, which was kind of nice. And so my reseller genie has been a great tool for me. So if you are freaking out, you haven't done your taxes, or you just want to, you know, make sure that you're on top of your numbers, uh, go to my re my reseller genie in the link below and use our code Pure Hustle all caps, and you'll get fifteen percent off the first month. Again, that's go to the link below and use our code Pure Hustle all caps, and you'll get fifteen percent off uh, the first month. All right, now yeah. random stories. I got a, I got two. So the first one, I, I'm just slightly annoyed at eBay. Uh, well, what's new, right? But <laughs> it's so crazy how people can get your listing pulled if they really want to. Like, it's just wild to me. And so I had a pair of shoes uh, that someone had started messaging me and saying, you know, these are fake. Not only were they fake, they were telling me they were illegal fake. Like, I was going to get, you know, warrant served on me or something like that. No one, no one's going to come after me. Okay. And I ignore, I don't, I so a non-response for me is a response. So if people message me, I don't respond. You know, sometimes it's, you know, you email us and we're kind of busy, but so don't take it that way. But for the most part, if, if I get a negative message on eBay, I don't respond to people. Like I get people at least twice a week that say something I have is fake all the, all, all the time. Sometimes it may be legitimate. Sometimes it's a competitor. Sometimes just people that have no lives. So this one, I was kind of like, eh, all right, well, you know, I mean, what, what do you want me to do? Like, I've sold this item before. The person returned it because they it didn't fit them right, but they never once said it was fake. Uh, I did my research. I made sure the item wasn't fake. But this person kept messaging me, and I think they got upset when I sent them an offer. And I, I, you know, but the problem with eBay is you don't know who you're sending offers to, right? You just send them out. So I sent them out and they just replied. They're like, Hey, you know, you sent me an offer. This is illegal. Make sure you pull it down. You know, I want to make sure you don't get negative feedback. And maybe they're a listener. Maybe they were a listener. But for me, to me, it's like it, I did my research. It wasn't fake. And if somebody really had a problem with it when they bought it, they could just return it to me. Well, next thing I know, I get this notification from eBay saying that, you know, we're pulling your item because it's counterfeit and fake and you're not allowed to sell this item. I wonder who reported you. I don't know, but obviously so, the person who posted it reported you. Yeah, I, I know that. I know that. But I but what I don't understand is how simple that was for an individual to do that. That means if I really don't like a YouTuber or somebody out there. And I want to stir up some trouble. I could just be like, hey, this item's fake. And I could just report that person. And maybe it just takes one vote for my item, for that item to get pulled to cause trouble. You know what I mean? And I know there's been others. I remember Rockstar Flipper dealt with somebody uh, doing stuff like this to him and, and a bunch of others. And it's just like eBay needs to do something. Like, for example, I'm not a new seller. Like, I've been around for 12 years on eBay. You know, I have 100% feedback. I have thousands of positive feedback. And for one person at one time to just say, hey, this is fake. You should pull it. Like, I, I don't think that's right. But I don't know if this was a rant. But just just be aware. Again, it's, it's, it's one of those items I'll never pick up again. It was a luxury shoe. And, you know, it was like, you know, along the same place of like Chanel and Louboutin and all that stuff. And I just, I won't pick up those items again just because... It's it's sometimes I think it's just people's perception. And so I don't want to deal with it. So that's my random I mean, story. There's also the benefit of the doubt of, you know, the people, a lot of times people who are buying those things like really, really know how to spot a counterfeit. And so maybe it was somebody who was just kind of trying to help you out. 
and they weren't the one that reported yeah, you. Maybe. And and it it could potentially be a counterfeit. Like not that you were intentionally trying to sell it, but like maybe someone knows. Like oh, if the stitching is that color in that location, then it's. I mean, so who knows? It's it's uh, it might not just no. be as simple as hey, I don't like you. I'm gonna I'm gonna report you, and that's gonna be enough to take you down. No, like, I agree. I agree. Maybe they. I think they had good intentions. I don't think they had bad intentions. I'm not bothered by the person necessarily. I'm more bothered by it didn't take much. That's what I'm bothered by. Right. So, yeah, for me, it's it's one of those things where it's like, hey, I'm never going to put my store at risk. Uh, and so once eBay said enough, then fine. I don't need to sell it. Whatever. I count it as a loss. I'll report it on my taxes as a loss and I'll move on. So now I got another positive uh, story. But do you have any random stories you want to share? Um, I mean, I guess it's kind of random going back to that idea of just trying to get used to a new place. I feel like I'm a, I mean, I'm introverted, but I feel like I'm a pretty nice guy. I'm not, um, I feel like there's a, I get it. I'm a California moving, Californian moving to Texas. Like there, there's stereotypes. There's a lot of people have opinions on that. I, I get it. I understand. Uh, but like me and my family, like, we're like, okay, it's not going to be so hard for us in a lot of ways because we're, we're nice. We're friendly. Like it's going to be great moving to a place where people are friendly and just realizing like there are certain things that are different with the people here um, that I'm going to have to get used to. Like, so every time I do thrift stores, like I said, especially those hole in the wall ones, or just going to somewhere like Walmart or going to someone like Tar Target, people are a lot friendlier. They talk to you more. And I'm just not used to that. I'm realizing like, wait a nice. minute, I think I need to get friendlier um, and, and learn how to small talk. So the negotiating, I feel like in, in California, and again, this is one of those things where it's kind of just eye opening uh, because we've always we push negotiation in a certain way. And when we do like our, our YouTube videos and we do negotiation, it kind of has to do with the, the, the locale where we're at, like the people, the kind of the culture. Uh, and, and I feel like there's, it's a little rougher, um, in the sense that, that people aren't as, there's not as much small talk going on. We still do small talk. We like to, Hey, I want to, I want to, I want to be nice. I want to be friendly. I'm going to, if I, if I ask you, Hey, how's your day going? Oh, I see. Oh, the cute dog you have here. Things like that. You're going to have a better time at the garage sale. But I'm just noticing like at thrift stores, like, man, people are wanting to talk to you and have conversations. And I'm not the like wittiest person. Like I'm not quick on my feet. And so I'm catching myself in a lot of awkward situations where I'm like, I, I don't know what to say right now. Uh, thanks. Uh, so anyways, so one of those things happened uh, today. I was at a garage or at a thrift store and um, they were doing 20% discount for teachers. And so I was like, oh, uh, I've got a teacher. And then like I was trying to like finish, like, I was trying to pull it up that I have like a teacher card. Uh, and she's like, oh, you have a teacher. That's nice. Did she teach you anything? And I'm like, oh, I mean, <laughs> and, and then she was laughing. And I'm like, I, I'm super like feel awkward because I don't like I'm not quick enough. And so just things like that or another place I stopped at where um, I was no negotiating for uh, a musical pedal, like a, a guitar pedal. And the guy was messing with me, joking with me about, you know, getting it from Van Halen and all that. So we're going back and forth. But uh, and then he was uh, mocking me in a, in a joking way about my driving skills, trying to find the place because he saw me circle around a couple of times. And and so just the randomness of like just getting used to interacting different, you know, in a different manner. Uh, and so I, I'm finding myself not as f like fluent, if that makes sense. Right. No, like I, I get it. I dude, I. The reason I get it is because I grew up in, in the Bay Area in San Francisco and people are just mean out there. Like, mm -hmm. you, you know, me, everybody, I always learned that, like, the way you look at people is you mean mug. 
And they, if you guys know, they, you, you, you that are from the Bay that are listening, you know what I'm talking about. And you never make eye contact when you get on the bus, like stuff like that. And then Southern California, people are just fake, <laughs> like just right. fake, right? If they're trying to talk to you, they have an agenda. Like they, they're trying to get something out of you, right? And But when I went to Wisconsin, people were just nice. Yeah. They're just saying hi, just to say hi, just to make conversation. So I, I, I get what you're saying. So, but yeah. luckily, you know, you, you're a nice, you are a nice guy. You are a yeah, nice I'm a nice guy, guy so. but it, it just goes to show like you can be, you can, you can be dialed in somewhere. You know what I mean? With your tactics, your techniques and all of that. And, and it's just amazing to see, like you go to a different place and, uh, you're not necessarily going to be as dialed in now again, adaptability, learning how to adapt and, and adjust. So, uh, but yeah, um, it's one of those things where you kind of had to would have had to have been there, but I'm not, I don't, I feel, I don't feel like I'm typically in like super awkward situations and conversations. Um, but a couple of times these last few days, like I catch myself, like, I, I don't know how to like interact in this way. Like I, I need to get a little bit better at small talk and just being friendly for the sake of being friendly. Um, and again, I'm a friendly person, so it's kind of, it's kind of a weird thing to, to experience, but, uh, but yeah, so that all that to be said is, um, you know, some of our listeners when, or people watching YouTube videos, they make comments on, you know, I can't believe you, ne- you negotiated that way, or you shouldn't do it that way. And, and again, it's like, it, you can't judge another place in the way the people are there with based off of where you are. Like, cause That's a good point. everybody, every place is going to be different. And so just recognizing that is, uh, it's kind of interesting. So you're talking about adapting. And so th- this is, this was kind of interesting. So our good friends, Aladdin Pickers, I uh, had messaged me out of nowhere and we've been messaging back and forth, but I have not seen those two guys, uh, Christian and Adam since 2020 sometime, like sometime around that, 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 that era of our lives. And it's because they had a lot of, uh, they had a lot of, uh, clothing inventory that they sourced and they sell books and they kind of were like, Hey, like, do you want to pick this stuff up? You know, I'm, you know, you're going to be interested. And I was like, all right, fine. So we connected for the first time in like three years and it was really cool because i did the whole like touring of the warehouse again and how things have changed and it was comforting to know that like everybody's having to adapt right and you know when we when we first met up with uh christian adam years ago and we did an interview if you want to check it out it's like one of our earlier interviews on the podcast probably one of the best ones we've had uh, hearing their story from, you know, selling books with bookshelves in their living room to having multiple warehouses. It's pretty fascinating. So I went to their place and it was really interesting because I asked them some questions, you know, how are things, how have things been going? And they said, you know, a lot has changed in the book selling landscape. They sell more on eBay now than they do on Amazon. And I was like, really? really? That's weird. That's right. Because everybody is all about Amazon, Amazon, Amazon. And, and it's easier to sell on Amazon because you just got to scan it, right? And if you want, you get a, enough books and you put them in a box and you ship it out to FBA. But the reason they're doing that is obviously competition's a lot tighter now and the margins are a lot lower on Amazon than they are on eBay. So they're really going into trying to find, you know, vintage books, books without barcodes, and they're doing better going down that route. Also, a lot of their uh, inv- stuff that they had to sort out their inventory, it was really proprietary. Back in 2020, when I visited them, there was a certain angles in my Instagram stories I couldn't shoot. There's some videos I, I couldn't post. And now, like, everything's out in the open because everybody's caught on to it. So it's kind of interesting. They have a conveyor belt that they use. And in this conveyor belt, it has, like, these little, like, wood panels that, like, push books into certain Gaylords. 
as to where they need to go. So if one needs to go to Amazon, it'll push the book into Amazon. If one needs to go uh, to uh, somebody that buys books that don't have much value, it'll go into that bin. If it needs to be a local deal, it'll push it into that. If it needs to be sold on eBay, it'll push it into that Gaylord. And so AI, it's an AI software and it's really taking off. And, and we have more AI to talk about today in our reseller topics. But AI is definitely revolutionizing things. And I want people to be aware that it will change the reselling landscape. Uh, it's changed them. I would say, and and maybe this is just my observation, but they probably had a quarter of the amount of people working there than they had three years ago. And they're only in one warehouse now. And a lot of this is because of the economy, but a lot of it is because of technology changing, right? Because of AI being able to sort out all these things, they don't need the human labor that they had before, and they would be sorting out the inventory. And I was like, wow, this is pretty this is pretty wild what's going on here. Pretty automated. So, But they're doing well. Uh, they're still keeping things profitable, and they've had to adapt a lot. And so I want to encourage everyone that's listening to keep adapting. You know, we don't know how much longer this will be. I mean, things are looking better. I, I mean, it depends, you know, what political side of the political you're on. But, you know, the numbers right now, inflation has gone down. We're still double the inflation that we need to be, but inflation has gone down. Employment continues to do well. And so who knows, you know, maybe we'll be in dire straits in six months or maybe things will be exploding again. I don't know. I do know election years are notorious for somehow things improving in the economy, unless you're looking at the presidency of Jimmy Carter or, or uh, Hoover and so on, but we'll see what happens. But adaption is definitely key. So I had a great time with Atlanta pickers did pick up a ton of vintage gear. And it was interesting because it was like a time capsule because these were all items that they had sourced like in 2016, 2017, 2018. <laughs> and a lot of the stuff had great value. And a lot of the stuff, the market was not there anymore. And so it was kind of cool because it was just a time capsule of stuff that they sourced. And uh, again, I say this all the time. I find that my best deals Aside from, you know, the local deals or the collectors that are just trying to offload stuff sometimes comes from resellers who just, you know, they, they don't like they had said, you know, we, we hate listing clothing, you know, having to measure it, having to take a picture, dealing with the returns. And and I was able to get a great deal and pick up a lot of great items. So uh, shout out to uh, Christian Adam. Uh, make sure you follow their Instagram and their YouTube channel. Yeah. All right, before we move on, thankful for everyone who continues to support us on Patreon has made our quality of our podcast even better because uh, the equipment we were able to buy. So if you haven't yet signed up, go on over uh, to Patreon. You can go to the link below or patreon.com slash Pierce Podcast. And for $5.55 a month, you can help support the podcast, which allows us to continue uh, pushing out free content. And there's the bonus of jumping in the Discord and meeting with a bunch of sellers from Amazon sellers to eBay sellers people that do retail arbitrage on Amazon and on eBay and just people to just, you know, to be in community with. So join us there. And uh, also on social media, we are Pierce podcast on all social media platforms, except for Twitter. We are Pierce cast and we are now on threads. So come on over to the threads. <laughs> I got to tell you threads is a mess. I don't even know. There's no hashtags. So you go on there and like, it'll be some reselling stuff and then boom, like, some random IG model and then some picture of cats. Like I have no idea how the algorithm was working, but jump on over to the threads. It's, it's Twitter. Like, um, I just, I don't know. It's just, I'm just posting there and hoping that, you know, 
We develop a community there. And and we also, what happens when you get on threads, you pull everybody from your Instagram into your threads following. So not really sure what, but join us there. Join us there. So, yeah. You can always give us a call, 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. Or shoot us an email at purespodcast at gmail.com. That's purespodcast at gmail.com. And as always, if you're listening to the podcast and if you haven't watched us on YouTube, jump on over, hit that subscribe button, smash that like button, hit that bell notification so you're not missing any of our uploaded videos like our Monday minisodes. And as always, thankful for everyone who drops an iTunes review. We are the most reviewed and the number one reselling podcast because of all of you out there. So thank you so much. Yeah. That was a lot. All right. Great job. You did it, man. You did it. And now it is time for the USPS ground advantage has changed. How did it go? Uh, eBay continues to use AI and Amazon had the biggest prime day ever. All of that and more on Reseller News. There we go. Oh, All right. So I think you, you may have muted yourself. Am I, am I oh, gone? You're back. You're good. Okay. No, you're good. I don't you're know good. what's going on. Okay. So if I go away again, okay, I'm going away now, but am I gone from the screen? No. You're good. No? Okay. I wonder what happened. That was a, that was a glitch. All right. So USPS ground advantage switch happened. And it was, <laughs> it was a nothing burger. Like, nothing happened. Like, I know there was a lot of, like, people like, oh, no, what's going to happen to our first class items? What's going to happen here? You know, uh, you know, are we going to have trouble shipping stuff out and everything? And no, everything was just fine. <laughs> so a um, couple observations, though. Uh, one observation is USPS ground advantage is a plus if you sell items that are more than a pound but you don't want to pay priority because you have that option now the negative side of it is it's more expensive i would say depending on what part of the country sometimes i've had stuff to the east coast and it wasn't that expensive as it was when we had first class but other times it was more expensive like for example Something was like seven twenty to ship, and if I shipped it priority, it was like seven forty. And I'm like, well, might as well just ship it priority. Now, maybe it was seamless for me because I went to my business policy. So if you're wondering what I'm talking about, go to my eBay. Then when you go to my eBay, go to my account. Then when you go to my account, go to my business policies. And when you go to my business policies, go to shipping policies. And in there, you should have templates created as to, you know, you have a one for like, let's say shoes, one for clothing, one for whatever. So I have anything that was first class was first class paid or first class free. All I did is I went in there and I changed it from first class to UPS ground, USPS ground advantage paid or free. And I was good to go. And I, nothing changed. It was fine. So I will say, I, I kind of like it. I like USPS, USPS ground advantage because it's also brought in parcel post in there and so it's just one blanket and it's pretty easy uh i thought it was interesting because if you ship like spray cans or cologne or whatever it is it it's supposed to be parcel but now it goes under usps ground advantage so is it going in the air no because it's all ground so it makes it easier i don't know if that makes sense but yeah it's good there you go all right, this other this other story I thought here was was pretty interesting. Uh this whole idea of AI. And and the reason I bring this up is cuz 
I think we're still trying to figure out what's going to happen with eBay. And so I, I'm going to, can I, can I, Mike, I asked your permission. Can I get into conspiracy theory here a little bit? Is that yeah, okay? Yeah, sure. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. And I will well, correct first, you if you're wrong. There you go. You, you always do. You always do. So, uh, so this comes from VentureBeat. Uh, the story is how eBay is using generative AI and computer vision to enhance customer service. And by the way, did you know that, do you know what the, the, like the abbreviation for customer service is? Uh, uh-uh. It's CX. So if you see that, that means customer service. Okay. Something new I just learned. Okay. So, all right. So the story says e-commerce giant eBay aims to revolutionize its marketplace by integrating generative AI and computer vision. With these technologies, aims eBay aims to enhance its understanding of customer preferences and deliver a highly personalized shopping experience. So, if you're trying to figure out what gener- generative Sorry, I'm slurring things. Generative AI is, it's basically AI that is able to create things. So, for example, you know, the big thing that was trending on social media a few months ago was like, you could put your pictures, you could upload an AI, and then AI would create these new images of you, right? Or, or sometimes you may see now people are doing this with like they're creating rap songs and like Kanye is rapping on it, but it's not Kanye, it's the AI that's rapping and it's creating somebody that is Kanye, okay? Or, it, it could mean a bunch of things. So I think eBay is going down this road when it comes to, for example, when people are going to be shopping. I had mentioned this kind of joking a few months ago, but wouldn't it be cool if like you could see the item on you and so on? I think AI is going to be going in that direction. So I think pictures are going to be even more important. I uh, hear uh, Mikhail uh, Bovrov, uh, who's head of this a- AI department, eBay said, we've doubled down our investment in generative AI and computer vision technologies because we we believe that they have transform transformational value for impacting the customer experience. So I thought that was pretty cool. Now, I thought this was the conspiracy part. Uh, so they had this whole section called the need for AI governance. And it says eBay emphasized data privacy and ethical development as fundamental principles of integrating generative AI into business functions. According uh, to Bobrov, establishing governance and implementing clear guardrails enables individuals to navigate among safe and permissible areas within the organization. So the last quote said here, we are actively exploring how to leverage these foundational models while accounting for their limitations, including like a diversity. Uh, for us, it's not just about solving the immediate problems that are very obvious, but it's about looking at the harder problems that will take some research to figure out solutions for. So I want to land here for a little bit, and I, I'm not going to get political, but, you know, there's this current thing. I don't know if you ever heard of uh, uh, ESG. Okay, yep. so ESG is is a new like business thing, and, and it's basically that it's not just about how much money a business is making, uh, but it's also their environmental impact, uh, how they're impacting society, their governance, and all that g- kind of gives you to break it down to a very simple concept into a social credit, right? And and so like that social credit gives you the ability. Uh, to be recognized in, in different avenues of business. And it's kind of like this, uh, this badge, right? Kind of think of like a credit score, you know, when you have your credit and you're trying to apply uh, for, you know, leasing something or applying for a credit card. It's the same thing with businesses. I do believe, and here's my thoughts in that last statement that they made, 
that there will be the possibility in the future that AI will be able to go through all our business practices and our messages. And based on that, the algorithm will push our items. And the reason I say that is because AI is already able to do that with a lot of stuff. So like in the medical field, um, AI now is able to get the medical records of millions of people and based on people's race, based on their medical history, uh, based on their family background and so on, uh, AI is able to make decisions on diagnosis for individuals. So why couldn't I to eBay, right? Where eBay now will begin to say, okay, how did this individual deal with their customers in the long run? Not just their feedback, but in their messages, how was their messaging? What kind of items are they selling? And so on. And AI does have the technology to do that. So my my two cents and my takeover after this is just be very careful. Be very careful in your messaging. Be very careful on what you're selling. Uh, I know a lot of people are like, oh, I don't know. You know, I've seen some sold. So I'm going to I'm going to skate by. I've sold this item before, even though it's not a lot or, you know, I really don't care what eBay thinks about my messaging to a person. I don't care if somebody thinks I'm rude. I'm really upset. I'm going to let them have it. I, I do think in the long run, AI is going to collect all this and it's going to go into the algorithm process. Thoughts, Mike? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much will be included. I mean, the ESG, there's, there's other elements at play when it comes to that with businesses. Um, I think of, I understand where that's coming from at like a big macro social level for across multiple businesses. But if you drill down into a business specifically at a more micro level like eBay, eBay, eBay obviously wants to make profit. Um, they, they're going to spend money on things, right? Like to develop and then implement AI. So like certain things like just implementing the AI description in, you know, the, the item description, there's probably but that's like certain, base level. No, that's yeah. like base. No, I understand. Um, but what I'm saying though is like certain things like that, like putting money into that, putting money into uh, the background removal. Because um, anytime, anytime a company is going to add things to their system, uh, it takes money, it takes time, it takes energy, it takes processing power. So my thought is they're going to put money into trying to figure out how to make AI work for them uh, in order to make them make more money. Now I don't know how beneficial it would be to a company like eBay uh, to start inputting a lot of random factors into their algorithm. Now, I, I agree with you. I think that they certainly can start to implement more things. So you used, um, you used messaging as an example. Like, are you, do you have good customer service? And I think that that's already in play to an extent um, based off of more surface level uh, factors such as uh, what's your rating like? Do you have negative feedback? Are you able to resolve issues? So like those are making like a very probably basic score. And I'm sure that does go into an algorithm uh, because if you're, if you've got a reputation as a good seller, eBay is going to be more likely to work with you. They're going to be more likely to push your items up. Now, the question is how many things are they going to start adding into this? Cause every, every element that they add and have to start is going to require more money, more time, more processing. So if it's not something that directly impacts them and their ability to make money. So do I think that they could add things like, do you have good customer service? Yes. Are they going to go into messaging? Eh, maybe. Um, are they going to base it off of certain items you sell? That could be now. I think what could happen is I think some people are going to freak out with, um, 
okay, well, what if, what if I'm posting things on social media that, you know, doesn't line up with the, you know, what people agree with. You mean like us? Well, yeah. Okay. You know, whenever I do the eBay memes, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they're all in good fun, but will that count against us? Yeah. I mean, so no. And so I don't think, I don't think that's going to impact you right away. Um, or even like personal <laughs> right stuff. Away. Well, even like personal stuff. I think like the average person is probably thinking like, "Hey, if I'm if I'm posting, I post a meme that's socially unacceptable on a private account, my personal account. Is there a way? Because all of the stuff is connected. Like, if you realize, like, it, when it comes to like you accept cookies, you accept whatever. Like, your data is being shared. Like, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be that difficult to figure that stuff out. I just don't know. Like, I think the the conspiracy theorist mindset is going to be, and I, I who knows, maybe down the road we go that path as technology gets cheaper where every little thing is going to be tallied up and whoever's in power gets to decide whether or not you're on the right side or the wrong side. And then based off of that, yeah, things like your eBay can be impacted and everything can be impacted, your normal job. But I just don't think we're there. I don't think eBay is going to care for most things other than, hey, are you delivering your items on time? I think that's going to be the stuff that's going to go into the algorithm first. Like, is do you get your items shipped out on time? Do customers receive their items on time? Do you so all the things we already are are, are saying mm-hmm. are important things to do and be careful on and to I think those things are already in the algorithm. I just think that as AI comes, it's going to be more efficient. They're going to be able to go a little bit deeper. I don't think people need to worry at least now about like personal social media accounts and whether or not they're selling items that are you know I, I don't know or or even your messaging with people. I think there's a certain point where people can freak out. I don't think we have to worry about it yet with that kind of stuff, probably ever. Uh, but you know, um, yeah, I think basic business practices, I think is going to probably play more and more of an impact. So your feedback, your, your reliability, your reputation, I don't think you have to worry about, hopefully you don't have to worry about like stuff you say in private at home. Like if your phone listens to you, is that going to end up on your, on your eBay algorithm to hurt yeah, you? Yeah, like, no, I'm not there, but I, I did. I think anything that eBay has access to right now will be used. That's just my thoughts. I think I, your messaging will play a role. What you sell will play a role. I mean, they're even talking about, they want to, they're looking for equality, right? That's what they said. And I don't want to get into what all that means, but you know, the only way you make things equal sometimes is by taking, right? And so I just, what will that mean for the algorithm? I just, it's just, I think it's an interesting language. That's all. And again, I didn't want to make this a conspiracy theory. Let, let us know your thoughts below. Uh, I just think we're delving into this new world of AI. And I think within a year, things are going to look entirely different. If they're not, you can mock me in the comments. But I, I do think we're going to be looking. I mean, we've already been talking about, you know, two months ago, we're like, wouldn't it be crazy if AI was able to like sort out clothing at thrift stores? And then a week later, it's like, yeah, there's stores that are sorting things out with AI. Or wouldn't it be crazy if AI were able to, you know, fill in descriptions? A week later, AI's filling in descriptions, right? And things that we think will take time to process or, you know, it's going to take a long time. Like the, the speed of AI is insane, at how fast it can pick up knowledge and figure things out. So, yeah. Yeah, it just, you know, it just cracks me up. Remember we were talking about, like, if you ever speak anything negative about AI, like, you're going to be doomed in 20 years because the AI will remember. (laughs) Yep. All right. Yeah, let us know your thoughts. Interested in your thoughts. All right, let's move on to something uh, uh, less uh, opinionated here. Um, Amazon Prime Day. 
So this was shocking to me. So this is from Forbes. It says Amazon sells 375 million items on Prime Day, post biggest day in company history. Which I was like, wow, this is phenomenal, right? Because everything happening, people are still buying. So the story says the first day of Prime Day was the biggest of sales in company history. Amazon announced on Thursday, helping to boost shares to their highest level in close to, uh, in close to 10 months. Uh, so I'll, I'll just read you the, three, uh, the key facts here. Throughout the two-day shopping event, customers purchased more than 375 million items and saved $2.5 billion with their Prime deals during the event. Prime Day, which is video in 2015, featured sales on items of all kinds. Uh, independent Amazon sellers sold more than Amazon's retail products, the company said. So that means all the third-party people did, did really well during this time. Uh, and so I, I looked at this and I thought, you know no matter how bad things get, like people still want to buy. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like there will always be buyers, uh, for items. So this kind of gave me a little bit of hope for Q4, uh, actually a lot of hope, uh, because you know, no matter what, there's always something that people want to buy. So I don't know. I, I, Amazon always shocks me. And I even bought stuff on prime day cause there were some good deals out there and I'm like, I'm going to take advantage of these deals. So I think it also is very telling uh, to buying habits that, you know, I'd rather buy stuff. I never step foot in, in a Walmart anymore or a Target or any of those stores. I buy everything online and I just pull up and they just bring it out to my car. Like, I, I don't like going into stores anymore unless I'm doing retail arbitrage. So did you buy anything on Amazon, Mike? Yeah, actually, um, the if you look at my background right now, that was a uh, that was a prime day purchase. The Kramer? <laughs> Not the Kramer. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I've got <laughs> That would be... I, mean, I actually bought, yeah, like a, a painting of, of Kramer. <laughs> um, no, but I've got, a, I've got a green screen background right now. Uh, so, um, because it, if you were watching previous episodes uh, since the move, it was kind of just like my unorganized garage, which looked pretty bad because Orlando's still in the studio. And uh, so I had to, I had to kind of sharpen it up a little bit. Well, your background looks better than mine. So I still got you the know, waves a little bit going, of time on, and energy. going on over here. There, there you go. There you go. So yeah, that's pretty much it as far as uh, stories. I mean, I do have a, let me see. There was one more topic to discuss here. Let me pull that up real quick. Uh, and it's, yeah, it was just basically, uh, there are missing items uh, in eBay store. So let me, let me, let me pull, uh, not an eBay store, in the thrift store. So let me pull this up real quick here. Uh, if, unless I get blocked by the, uh, the newspaper that's like, oh, you must subscribe. But this is from the Sun Sentinel. They say, say goodbye to $1 vintage records. Thrift store chains are cashing in on vinyl resurgence. So let me read this real quick. Uh, these are sad days for thrift store record bin divers in South Florida. The region's major thrift store chains are cashing in on the vinyl resurgence, leaving weekend collectors to pay more for used records through the chain's online sites or find alternative marketplaces. For years, Goldstream Goodwill, a division of Goodwill Industries International, serving Palm Beach, uh, St. Lucie, Okeechobee, and Indian uh, River, uh, counties carried used records. Not anymore. Since March, records have been missing from the charity's 25 thrift stores. Instead of uh, instead donations, record, records, books, CDs, and all these other items. So basically, the gist of the story is, you know, as we've been saying for a long time, is that thrift stores now, not only are they just picking what's the best, they're just not selling certain things in their stores anymore. 
And this this goes along with the trend that we've been. I think we've been saying this since the beginning of the podcast that thrift stores as places to source will eventually, I think, come to an end. And I don't think it, we're there yet. You know, I, there, there's still a lot of good thrift stores, but yeah. I would say here in San Diego, it's done for for me. There's yeah, like I one think, or two I'll go to. So I think I think that's going to be the case with like the major chain stores. Um, but again, that's one of the nice things about trying to find the local hole in the wall because even San Diego, like there are tons of small small thrift stores. Mom and pop stores are going to be where you're going to find the best deals with that. Um, because they don't have the the time, the money, the energy to be putting that effort into utilizing artificial intelligence. They don't have the warehouse. They don't have the infrastructure to do that. Uh, so like, for instance, I, I went to one uh, today and I picked up, a, like I said, that guitar pedal. I paid $5 for it. It's like a $60 guitar pedal. The guy had a lot of stuff in his store and he knows value of, of some of it. And mm. it's just one of those things where he just doesn't have the time or energy to look up everything, doesn't care. Like he was willing to get rid of it for five bucks. Whereas again, like a if you're going to a Goodwill, they threw it through a conveyor belt. The conveyor belt's going to identify that, and it's not going to ever make it into the into the store. So I think you you're going to have to move to the mom and pop shops for a while, and then again utilize that time to find other ways of sourcing. Like garage sales are always still going to be your bet. Local deals, and eventually, I mean, who knows? Maybe things change because eventually, I feel like people are going to get tired of going to. Goodwills, if all the Goodwills have just turned into basically retail stores, like it's an online retail store and there's certain things, all the good stuff isn't. And someone's going to make a thrift store where they say, hey, look, all we do is people donate stuff. We throw it out there with basic prices on things. And next, you know, those stores are going to be doing better. People are going to be going there. And then maybe the original thrift store uh, model actually takes off. Like, wouldn't that be a funny pendulum swing? Like that would be the thrift stores go more like a like they go more legit and more like intentional with their products and, and trying to be more like fancy and people don't want it. And they go to more traditional thrift stores and those are the ones that do better. And cause I mean, that's a profitable model. I can't imagine a mom and pop shop. They're getting stuff donated for free for the most part. Like, yeah, you, maybe you sell a couple things underpriced, but overall you're, you're, you're making great money. And if people are willing to come to you instead of going to Goodwill, you're going to be the most profitable. Hey, maybe, maybe now's the time to start a thrift store. Could be. I mean, everything, you know, we've read uh, in, in our research from 08 and other bad economic times has been that thrift stores take off. Right? I mean, we didn't, this wasn't one of our reseller topics, but did you know that Savers is now uh, a public company that you can buy stock in Savers? Yep. Now their stock hasn't moved much. <laughs> I think it, I think it opened at 18. It's at $23 a share right now. And it's been 23 for like the last few weeks. Uh, but uh, I did not invest because I have flashbacks of Poshmark, which I did not invest in Poshmark. But Poshmark doesn't even have, they're not even public anymore because they got bought out by a Korean company. So but uh, their, their stuff tanked. It was bad. But I think Savers like they're for profit thrift store. And I think they're going to possibly keep things in their stores like you're right there's going to be different thrift stores that are going to handle things differently so again i don't think it's the end but as for me it's been the end for a long long time so all right that's our reseller topics are, are we ready to uh i think what everybody just fast forwards to on the podcast oh no yeah. no no people love everything they love the whole <laughs> stuff but this this is the special part what's your bolo yeah, I got the I got the new one on. You notice that? <laughs> yeah, I, did. I right. can't tell them apart anymore. Like they're all cool. So, yeah, yeah. 
All Speaking right, of which, your when I was pulling up the new one, um, I should I should actually uh, we'll do it on another episode. I pulled up the uh, the little clip that that came from. Um, the let's see what maybe I can. Oh well, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'll do it in the future episode. But it's kind of cool, like the little spot that the guy who edited that used from like are talking about it. And like, I even went choo, 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 and like, he used that to make the sound effects. Oh, so, really? Yeah. It's kind of cool. Like you can hear it uh, raw uncut on edit. Seriously. If anybody wants to make new sound effects, especially for like reseller topics or hustle, or, like we're always open to yeah. new sounds. That's right. I, uh, go ahead. All right. So my bolo, um, I don't think I mentioned this last time. No, I didn't. Um, so my wife during our move, uh, she broke one of her dishes. Like most of our stuff made it, uh, but she had, we had bought for our wedding or we didn't buy. Someone gave us as a gift, a very generous gift, a bunch of pottery barn dishes. And so our whole dish set, the the plates, the bowls, my wife's really big on hospitality. We have a lot of people over. And so it was kind of devastating. Cause like now we don't have the set and it's like, you know, like we have people over and, and we may not have enough now. And so I spent forever trying to find a replacement for this pottery barn plate. And a couple of things I noticed, and this is what makes it a bolo. Like one, um, I, I mean, I knew Pottery Barn is a nice, like a decent brand. Um, I don't, we don't do a lot of, of plates and dishes in China. I've sold some China. Um, I've, I've been semi-successful with China Spode specifically, a couple of other brands as well. Uh, I don't typically like selling uh, China, but there's a benefit in selling um, like one-off plates as replacements uh, mm. for things like that, or plates, bowls. Uh, now, a couple of things I noticed. So style is important. Obviously, sometimes it's a long tail item uh, like ours. I think are called like the uh, great white something is like the name of the the cut. And then there's like the diameter and all the different uh, factors that, that are on this. But one thing with these pottery barn plates is so many of them are like made in China. Uh, there are some that were made in India and the, the design is a little bit different. The ones that were made there Ours, the ones we have. And I don't think we, I mean, we didn't do it on purpose. It just so happened that these were the ones that we bought. Um, or that were gifted to us were made in Sri Lanka. And so uh, finding, because in order to, for it to match, it needed to be ones made in Sri Lanka to have all the right you know stuff, was almost impossible to find. Like we found them on another website, but they were selling for like almost $40 a plate. And so I'm like, holy wow. cow, like if I was in a, a thrift store, I mean, what does a plate, just like a one or two off plates go for like a dollar, $2 max? Yeah, and yeah. if they're selling for $40, I mean, so it's, it's just a killer deal. And it just goes to show like, you never know, um, what's going to be worthwhile. So Pottery Barn as a brand is a bolo. And then just knowing that like the, the, where things are made can make a difference. So a lot of things, the average, I, I think is probably going to be like made in China. You know, one of those things is going to be probably more likely, but if you see something that's made somewhere else, made in Germany, made in Japan, made in Sri Lanka, made in, that could add, add value because people are, if they're trying to replace, um, and it's more rare, so it might be a little bit longer tail, but you might be able to actually get higher dollar value so uh the bolo pottery barn could be valuable um and then um the made in sri lanka I, we knew personally was was valuable uh, maybe some others are, are even more valuable than that so uh that is my bolo yeah i would say pottery barn like even like kids uh bed sheets yep. pottery barn anything pottery barn is always worth a look up i mean yep. back in the day i've sold some for good money it's been a long time but it, there's money to be made there so all right my bolo is uh you're, did you, you, you're probably too old. Goosebumps. You ever read Goosebumps when you're a kid or watch any oh, of the yeah, shows? Man. Especially the Choose Your Own Adventure Goosebumps. Those were great. Okay. Anything Goosebumps, man. Like I recently at a garage sale picked up an entire set of Goosebumps stuff. It was like all 62 of the books 
And then there were some extra, like there's a, there was like a nine book law and then they, there was another book. And then unfortunately they took out all the inserts. So there's like these bookmarks and these like cards inside each of the books. Uh, but they took them all out and they put them to the side. Now, if you can get a book that has them inside, like some can go for 50 to $100 plus just for wow. one book. But even the the whole thing, like, you know, all 62 goes anywhere from three to hundred to $700 online used. And so I I went, I remember, I'll never forget. I, I saw it the night before I planned my route, but I was like, it's probably going to be gone uh, by the time I get to the garage. So, so I show up at the garage show at like 9 a.m. And listen, I don't know how things like this happen, but it's there. But why is it that every time an item that I want to buy is there, somebody gets to it within seconds before, even though it's been sitting there all morning. But the moment I want to get to it, somebody wants it. So I go to it and I see this lady and she's looking through it. And I'm like, oh, are you interested? She's like, yeah, I want to buy it. And I was like, oh, all right. So I did the whole fake, like looking at other items thing, waiting to see if she's actually going to buy it. So then she spoke to, to the lady that was selling it and she told her she wanted like 10 bucks per book or it was like some number that the lady didn't agree with. And so she walked away and I, I looked at the lady that wanted to buy it. And I'm like, sorry, are you going to buy it? She's like, no. And I'm like, oh, yes. Okay. So, so then I asked the lady, I'm like, how much do you want for all this? And she's like, oh, these were my kids. This is kind of tough. I got to be at $25. And I'm like, uh, yeah. And I, you know, I, I did try to negotiate a 20, but anyways, she wouldn't budge. So I bought for 25. Here's the crazy thing. So I haven't sold a whole one through 62, but I listed like there are two goosebumps, pencils, a bunch of insert cards, some other random like pieces. And I just lotted them all up and those sold like in 12 hours for 20 bucks plus shipping, which maybe I lost money. Okay. But I paid 25 for it. So I already made you know, a good amount of my money back. Then there was other lot of books. Uh, there were nine of them and they weren't part of the original set there. There's like these different, uh, you know, books that were written, like kind of like the side, you know, books that were sold and those sold, I sold nine of them for 20 bucks. So I'm already at $40 and I even sold the major item I sold. So I sold a miscellaneous lot of 30 plus Goosebumps items, inserts, pencils, bookmarks. And then the other ones, Goosebumps, a lot of reader beware, you choose the scare, first printing or whatever. And I know those, I did my research and I sold nine books for 20 bucks. And so once I sell the other major thing, uh, I'm going to turn that $25 into like $500 or, you know, at the lowest $300 net profit. So definitely a bolo. I think we may have discussed goosebumps at some point or somebody had said it, but it's just crazy. Just crazy to me. Uh, and the only reason I know they're valuable is because I know my kids loved like the shows and the books. And remember, they always were scared of Slappy. Remember Slappy? Is yep. that his name? The, 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 the dummy? Like uh, puppet thing or the... Mar yeah. It was not a marionette. What was it? Uh it was a dummy, right? Yeah, it wasn't dummy. A ventro yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ventriloquist. Is that okay? Dummy. That's what it is. Is that is it okay to call them dummies? I think All right, so. Just checking. <laughs> just checking. So, so that is my bolo. All right, what are you looking? For? Oh, before we talk about what we're looking forward to, hey, uh, we haven't talked about them in in a little bit, but Skull Shaver keeps us nice yeah. and clean. And yeah. uh, I got to tell you, I I don't ever want to go back to razors, 
I hate it when I when I cut and I got scarring on my head from razors, but Skull Shaver gives you that nice clean look of, of a razor, gives you that shine. Like we can see Mike shine from a Skull Shaver. So if you haven't yet, uh, you can go and use our code uh, Pure Hustle. Go to the link below and uh, that'll give you a discount off a of Skull Shaver and uh, keeps you looking so fresh and so clean. Yeah. All right. So what are you looking forward to here, Mike? Um. Well, gosh, I I want to say garage sales, but I think I missed it. I think I missed it for a few months, uh, or at least maybe not months. At least probably five six weeks. We got heat waves coming in, uh, so I guess just continuing to learn the area through local deals, kind of learning some brands here. So really, I'm in a learning phase right now, uh, on top of reorganization. So learning, I enjoy doing uh, organization. I like the outcome of um, so. I, I enjoy seeing my store go moving back in the right direction. I hated that I had to kind of have it on pause for a while. So I'm just looking mm. forward to just the resuming. Um, I finally, I feel like I got some good uh, stories again. I'm finding some things. Um, I'm, 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 I'm doing it, man. So it's good. It's good. And, and I think I'm, to be honest, I have a little bit more pressure here. So I took a pay cut coming here to teach here, uh, which is fine in a lot of ways because my money goes further. But you know what it's like, like when when I was reselling part time there, it really was just almost like fun money because I kind of it, it started off pretty serious. And then because mm -hmm. my wife stayed home and then I got pretty decent raises at work and some opportunities came up. So it wasn't as like crucial. And I think I'm at a place now where it's like, OK, I think I want to step up my reselling, really have that fill in some of the gaps I've got here. And as much as it's like you never want to be in that position there's something like kind of encouraging about being uh, having that fire underneath you. Cause when you, when you kind of have to do it and you move forward, like it, it's, it's exciting at the same time because then you're actually, you progress when you have no other choice, uh, you really start to move forward and progress. And so I'm, I'm excited for that. What about you? What are you looking forward to? Yeah, I, there, there's just something about being organized. I just, I love it. So, I mean, like, I wish you were able to be here because it is, it is nice. Well, another part of it is I had had people coming over and I had I haven't had anybody coming over in a long time. And I, I had to because I I realized it looked like a, a hoarder's house because I had stuff everywhere, even though I purposely, you know, live here to separate things. And yeah, everything's separated. It's really nice, super organized. It keeps me motivated to, uh, you know, keep listening and so on. So I'm looking forward to organizing more. Um, I want to list like crazy. I, I want to make sure that I come through this Q4 with no regrets. Uh, I, I will say the last Q4, I was kind of bummed. I, I, I feel like I didn't do, you know, my potential. Like, I, it's okay. I mean, I enjoyed, I wanted to spend more time with family and so on. And, and I, you know, I just, I'll be real. I just got lazy at times. And so I want to spur that moment that I had, you know, in 2020, I'll never forget, you know, taking that picture of the, the white van with me walking away from it. Like I came, I saw, I conquered and, and I want that again. And so I want to walk, I, I want to walk away from this Q4 really well. And so I'm going to list like crazy. I got plenty of inventory that I can list. Uh, and then on top of that, I'm looking forward to hearing back from the rugs, you know, whether it's I get rejected or I get accepted, it'll be nice to move forward and see what I can do. And then that's something else I can add into my uh, breadth of knowledge as to, you know, look, looking out for in reselling. So there you have it. It's good stuff.
Hey, thank you everyone for tuning in. Really appreciate everyone that continually tunes in on a weekly basis. And uh, with that being said, hopefully you're making some great profits and make sure to be real, be relevant, and be reselling. Late. Peace.